Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. He's here in the studio with me, and he's quietly humble about the Cincinnati Bengals. I think maybe it's like a guy that's been in a car wreck, and he just hadn't quite gotten over the shock of it yet. I don't know how to behave. I don't know how to act. (laughs) It's been been so long since we've been this deep into the playoffs, and my team is still alive. Yeah. How about that? We're going to talk about the, that game and uh, what what Luke was right. It may have been the great NFL game of all time uh, last night. I, I got a lot of questions I'm going to ask you guys uh, later who are much more knowledgeable than me about football coaching because I, I just don't understand how the defensive strategy in a couple of those games uh, was employed uh, late in the game. But we'll get, to, we'll get to that later. We want to bring Heath Hinton on. And we want to say hello and thank you to our good friends at Dickie's Barbecue Pit for sponsoring the show. It's a great place to uh, enjoy delicious food seven days a week, a great place to cater your next event. And uh, we love our friends at Dickies, and Justin and his guys are the best. We hope that uh, you'll make Dickies a a part of your dining experience. Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation joins us. And, uh, Heath, we're going to talk – we're going to talk about the bad and the good. We're going to get the the bad out of the way, and I I say that respectfully, but – I don't know. The the men's basketball team, I, I don't know what to say. They they shot the lights out in the first half uh, Saturday, had a halftime lead at Middle Tennessee, had cut the turnovers down. It just really looked like things were were going well. They were going to get maybe a shot at a huge road victory, and then and then it just disappeared in the second half. We, what, what can we hope for for these kids the rest of the year, Heath? You just gotta hope they get uh, to playing better and cut out these uh, these breaks uh, where they just don't score, guys. They went almost, I think, it, if I'm not mistaken, right at 13 minutes in the second half without scoring a field goal. Now they scored some points at the free throw line, but they went 13 minutes without scoring a field goal. And you look up and you're down 14. That's how that happens. Um, it's, that it's that. Tough. Heath, that has Heath, that has been something that has been that has plagued this team the entire year. That the teams will go on, you know, fourteen to two runs, eighteen to four runs, you know, things like that. I'm not sure that the Eagles. It's arguable, perhaps, but I don't think many people would argue that the first half Saturday was probably the most complete half that they've played all year long. As Bob said, very few turnovers. I think maybe three or four turnovers. They shot 61% from the field. At one time, they were nearly 80% from the field. And still, it only translated to a three-point lead. But then, seemingly like every game this year, the opponent goes on a four, I think it was a 14 to nothing run that, uh, that the Blue Raiders went on. And then, then it's, almost, you know, it's almost too late at that point. It's just mind-boggling. You just said it right there, guys. You you talked about the stats. They shoot well in the first half and uh, still had a little issue with the turnovers. Uh, not as bad. 
but still, you want it to be better. I think in the first half they ended up with uh, what was it? I can't. They had they had their fair share of turnovers, but when you shoot the lights out the way they did in the first half, and you're only up by three at half, and you got a team that hasn't made a three point basket at the end of the game, they only made two three point baskets. Only two. Yeah, I think at one point. Two of twenty-four. Yeah, I was going to say I. Twenty-four. I, th- I thought at one at one point the Blue Raiders were were zero for nineteen from the three-point arc. But the Eagles were only one of twelve from three-point. Oh, of nine in the in the uh, in the second half. And and the big telling again, guys. Eagles have seventeen turnovers. And Middle Tennessee had nineteen yep. points off those seventeen. But they all came in the second half. They almost all came in the second half because they only had like three or four, I think, in the first half. That was that thirteen minutes. It was that 13 minutes that just fell apart and they couldn't score, missed every shot. Uh, you just look, this team is what it is. It's not going to change now. I just don't see it changing now. Uh, you hope Isaiah Moore comes back. That's going to help. But uh, the team is what it is. It's, I, I just don't see them turning a switch on and, and making every basket at this point. Keith, I, got a, I got a question particularly. 64% of Middle Tennessee's points came in the paint, 48 of their 74. But you got Pinkney and and uh, and, and Stevenson inside. Pinkney paid, uh, played 29 minutes. Stevenson played 39. Tyler had a, a double-double, 20 points, 11 rebounds. That just seems an abnormal with still big guys in the paint. I don't, I don't know if Isaiah Moore would have been there at 6'10". The other guys are, are beefier guys. That just... It seems like a high amount of points. And, and Mormon in the paint, too. Don't forget about Mormon. Um, Mormon's down there. Yeah, they scored layups. And you look at Southern Miss, and they get a layup. They can't get it to fall. It's uh, you just They play good defense, and then even when you play good defense, but you can't score for 13 minutes, this is what happens. But right, Heath, we've got to ask you about Isaiah Moore. Is there anything you can share with us as to as to why he has vanished from the lineup? No, all we know is that uh, Coach Ladner said it was a, a team rules violation, and uh, hopefully he'll be back this week. Not sure when he's going to be back, but they're not going into specifics. And uh, you know, as I said before, it's just not fair for me to speculate for the young man, but. Uh, hopefully he's back soon. But That's he's still I'm on saying. the team, is that correct? He's still on the team. He's still on the team. And Coach Ladner said, you know, last press conference we had that um, at the time before that he was happy about the way he was handling the situation. And uh, so we'll see going forward. We'll be back. We don't know yet, but we'll see. Don't they, they need him back? Well, for sure. And when, yeah. you look, and when you look at the schedule, the Eagles finally return home. It seems like you know, 80% of their games have been on the road this year, and part of that goes back to the non-con. But this Thursday, they've got North Texas coming to town. And, of course, North Texas is projected as the second-best team in the entire league, right? Uh, according to the Massey rating, Southern Miss has a 7% chance of winning that game. All right, so you got North Texas coming in Thursday. And then you got Rice coming in here on Saturday, and Rice is decent. I mean, they're not the greatest basketball team in the world, and thank goodness it's not an ACT test that we have to go up against. Or a debate. (laughs) Don't want to debate Rice. But Rice is heavily favored in that game. So when you look at the rest of the slate, Southern Miss has a home game with UTSA, but that based based on the performance so far, that's going to be the only game that they're projected to win. Luke, realistically, what can we hope for this basketball team the rest of the year? (sighs) Oh. 
to not give up or to not go 13 minutes without scoring. I mean, they're six and 12. They're one and four in conference. You feel like, you know, you that UTSA game on the road is what they would have done at Middle Tennessee had they been able to score because that's the way that game was shaping up to be. So you look down the stretch. Um, maybe FIU. You get UTSA maybe. again. Um, but, he, but yeah, but, I, I, if if you win four conference games down the stretch, that's a win. But you know the debate has always been well, you know they can't score, they can't score. Well, they shot like I said, nearly seventy percent in the first half against Middle Tennessee, so they've got ability, right? It's just been a lack of consistency. At at you know they go from shooting seventy percent to shooting, you know twenty two percent or or whatever the case may be. But you'd like to see your team up there at forty two, forty three percent. All the time, right? Instead of these streaks, and conversely, the other teams right. are getting hot. Uh, Heath, we know anything's possible. Cincinnati's going to play in the AFC Championship game, so I mean, is there is there a possibility of of this team pulling a big upset, maybe getting some momentum, you know, confidence, and turning this thing around? The Eagles are I talking mean, about, yeah, they, the Eagles. If they get hot and uh, and shoot the ball extremely well from outside, maybe uh, they're going to have to stop turning the ball over, though. You can shoot 60%, 65%, but when you're turning the ball over as much as they are and a team scoring 20 points off turnovers, it doesn't matter how good you shoot when, you, when you're giving up layups and they can't make another shot. And then at the end of the game, they finally hit a couple of threes where you only hit one. It, it, it doesn't matter. You've got to quit turning the ball over. If this team has stopped turning the ball over, yeah, they can win some games. They have to have better outside shooting. But this far into the season, is that going to change at this point? The team is what it is now. It's going to be tough for them to change who they are. Getting Isaiah Moore back is huge. Look, they wouldn't have won uh, Texas San Antonio if Isaiah Moore doesn't get a big block at the end of the game. He's the reason they won that game. And they were up pretty good with about a minute left and let that team come back and almost win. But I think, Keith, I think what it's going to come down to, the two things that you mentioned, taking care of the ball better, and shooting from the outside better, but it's almost to the point where they're going to have to do both of those at the same time in order to be able to win. Yeah, Luke said it. 13-minute stretches where you don't score. Nobody in this country is going to win a basketball game if you do that. I don't care if you do, you're not going to win games. All right, Heath, hang around. We're going to talk about something very positive. We're, we're less than a month away now from the start of baseball season. Uh, get his uh, observation of what kind of team we're going to put on the field. And some more football signees, Bob, that are headed to Hattiesburg. There you go. We're going to talk about a big, literally big signee <laughs> yeah. that comes out of Oak Grove. Next. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, welcome back to the Eagle Hour. We're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Court Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Our sincere thanks to Southern Bank Court for uh, studio sponsoring our show. 
If you're looking for a great local bank to do business with, we highly recommend Southern Bank Corps. They're in Midtown in Hattiesburg and uh, soon to be in downtown, we understand. But they've got a great facility right there in Midtown, uh, do every sort of banking. And we thank Southern Bank Corps for their sponsorship of our show. Also, want to say hello to Miss Kathleen and her staff at Campus Bookmark. Clearly one of our favorite people, one of the nicest ladies on the planet. And uh, she oversees the biggest inventory of Southern Miss swag on the planet. They're located on Hardy Street. You can shop them online at campusbookmart.net. All right, we're talking to Heath Hinton, proprietor of Big Gold Nation website. I want to get to baseball, Heath, but uh, I do want to mention uh, real quickly, get your thoughts. Uh, Latrell Pollard's second son is uh, now coming to Southern Miss. Another big offensive lineman, another nice catch for Will Hall and his crew. Yeah, Clavon uh, Pollard, Latrell Pollard's uh, uh, going to have two both sons now uh, playing Southern Miss, 6'4", 280 pounds, uh, offensive lineman out of Oak Grove. Uh, kids got good feet, quick, uh, was committed to Colorado. Um, offers from East Carolina, Houston, Memphis, Liberty, uh, and chose to come to Hattiesburg, staying at home. Uh Playing at his dad's alma mater, so uh, good job. Good pickup for coach. He's uh, going to be a, you know, it's good pickup for him. And I know Latrell's glad to have that second three hundred pound son have someone else feeding him for a while, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, and I think I think what actually helped him get steered towards Southern Miss is he took uh, his visit to Colorado after committing them, and he goes, well, the air up here smells funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wanted to keep that good Southern cooking coming. Oh, that that, that, that doesn't hurt. No, no, so we're glad. Uh, too cold up there, too. Yeah, glad to have him uh, on the Golden Eagle football team. All right, uh, Heath, we're just about three weeks away. I, I, let me say that again. It feels so good. We're about three weeks away from the opening of uh, college baseball season. And the Golden Eagles, as always, uh, great high expectations. I thought Kelly said it well a couple of weeks ago that we don't really rebuild the team anymore, kind of just reload the team. Uh, you, your overall observation, then we'll get the guys in here, but your overall observation of uh, the talent level of this baseball team and uh, what this team is capable of doing this year. I think we're seeing year in and year out with what Coach Barry is doing. The talent level is, is just as good as any uh, power program in America. Southern Miss is a name in college baseball. They've earned that. Coach Barry, with what he's done, has earned that. They, it's got to the point now to where they don't, you know, there's an old saying, you don't retool, you reload. And that seems like what Coach Barry has done. Uh, you're going to have some questions. Pitching, you lost, uh, I mean, come on, when you lose uh when you lose Walker Powell and Hunter Stanley, still the best to ever do it at Southern Miss. You've got a hole there at starting, and uh, you've got to find somebody to play center field. But you look and you think this team, hey, with everything that's returning, if you can get those answers there, it's another team that's going to be really tough to beat in Conference USA and the conference tournaments in Hattiesburg. Well, so, uh, yeah, well, big for well, as we all know, the difference—the difference in the top twenty-five—is very minuscule. The difference is pitching and pitching depth. Can they fill those two holes? I think they can. I mean, right now, I know a lot of people are talking about the top twenty-five, but really, it's good to be recognized. But nothing really matters till after the, you know that first month and the RPI comes out because that's what it's based on in uh, postseason. So. But, yeah, you, you look at some of the guys that uh, – let's not forget that 
when you're talking about pitching, guys, they've got some people coming back. Uh, Drew Boyd's coming back. They've got some starters who are coming back. You've got pieces in place that if you think that they continue to progress under Coach Oz's uh, leadership like they have, uh, I think they're going to be just fine being after it. I'm really interested to see uh, uh, Nico Mazza out of uh, Madison, a guy that's uh, 93, 94 mile an hour fastball with a nice curve and, and a plus slider. Uh, Danny Lynch growing up this year, in, I, I can't wait to see what he does. Uh, Tanner Hall, another guy. They've got people in place that are coming back that can uh, do some big things for them. That's all. It's good. That's what's going to matter. Is it's going to be you know the couple of places they need people to step up, and where will the production come from? But I think with the people they have coming back, I think they have a good chance to be as good as uh, any team Southern Miss has had. Yeah, you know, look, and I th- I think one of the secrets to Southern Miss success here lately is Coach Oz. I just I have enormous confidence in his ability to develop pitchers that can fill those holes. I'm I'm with you too, and. Part of it's the camaraderie he has with that that staff, and you know, with with Coach Barry being a former you know catcher and and pitching specialist himself in regards to coaching. I mean, it says a lot when you got a skip that does that, and he gives Oz the freedom that he has, and I think that says a lot to you know the trust there. Heath, give me two guys that we're not talking about now. Or that, like insiders would know, but the 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 more common baseball fan might not be talking about, but will be talking about, you know, six to seven weeks in the season. I'm hearing things about you. You, you haven't seen them practice yet. They start the 28th, but man, to be honest, uh, hear a lot about Matthew Russo. I'm hearing big things about, uh, as I said, Nico Mazza. You know. Rodrigo Montenegro is a catcher they've all in. That's Gabe's little brother. So you got the Columbia connection. Is, uh keep going. Dustin Dickerson is an interesting one. I think he's going to take some big steps this year. This is a guy who in the second half of the season really hit well at the plate. Um, this is a team that you know struggled at the beginning of the season, but they were out for a full year, and that was kind of be expected. I think this team's going to hit a lot better. Dustin Dickerson pitching, too. They keep saying that he's going to. Um, he's going to tow the rubber a little bit this year. And a guy that I'm really looking for and I'm hearing big things about is, I don't want to say a guy that nobody knows, but Slade Wilkes. I'm hearing Slade Wilkes mm-hmm. is going to be, uh, Slade Wilkes is going to be really strong this year. And he, this, uh, fall, he had a good fall and that looked for big things from him. Kelly Slade Wilkes has Matt Walner power. Hits from that left side, really, really quick hands. I got to got to coach Slade for just just a little little bit uh, back when he was uh, nine or ten years old. And you could see then, you know, uh, powerfully built from the waist down, a real strong uh, torque, uh, quick hands. But to, to Heath's point, something I want to say about Dustin Dickerson. It would not surprise me if Dickerson filled the role that Ock played last year. I think Dickerson could very well be your closer. You know, I agree with you, Kelly. And and people, it's easy to forget, but they brought Dickerson in in that crucial game against Tech, and everybody almost fainted. He got him out of the he got him out of the inning if they catch the pop ball to right field. The other thing that you just don't see a whole lot in college baseball anymore is the dual guy, the guy that can play defense and pitch. You know, everything is getting so specialized. But it would not surprise me. 
to see if, if that D- Dustin Dickerson would be your closer yeah. this year for the Eagles. Uh, Luke, I know you're a big fan of Dickerson. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to be the closer per se. I think Waldrop probably will hold down that, but he will be. I think they'll stretch him out a little bit. And and Heath, another guy that's going to allow Dickerson to do that is Creek Robertson, who's the freshman out of Madison Central. Is one of the things that that this yeah. coaching staff told us last year. You bring Robertson in, you have a quality infielder, so that you don't you don't really lose all that much when Dickerson's on the mound. Yeah, you do. And look. One thing that nobody else talks about is when you take Dickerson, you put him on the mound, you don't take his bat out of the lineup. And when you're swinging well, you got a pitcher that can hit the ball. I think we saw that uh, two or three years ago, Southern Miss, uh, former third baseman that uh, pitched in the midweek. But, man, you always kept his bat in the lineup. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's huge when you got a pitcher that can do both. And, and it's not seen anymore. With today's specialization – you don't see it as much. And you're right, uh, Bob. He pitched well enough to get out of that inning if Southern Miss catch fly balls. Okay. They dropped the fly ball? But, but now oh. not now not all of this is not all of this is roses, all right? Because he, here's here's the downside to it. And and I had got a had chance to talk to Coach Oz uh, last week at length. He's got twenty pitchers on the roster. Twenty. All right. Right now he's very comfortable with six of them. He said, you know, you could throw a blanket over any of the six pull them out, and you're going to get one just like the other. But the problem, particularly with the onset and the emergence of the transfer portal. Keeping them happy. He's got 20 guys. Keeping them happy. That's it, Bob. Yeah. And and because, yeah. there's, because there's no four-game weekend this year in yeah. conference, yeah. they've gone back to, you know, that's going to mean fewer opportunities, mm. which is why when he goes to recruit pitchers, he likes to know a lot about their personal makeup. Wants to know that they kind of understand this is a team deal and it's not necessarily all Great about point. me. Great point. But I think that's going to be the biggest thing that Coach Oz is going to have to deal with this year is keeping everybody happy. Great Y'all point. remember when player pitchers, you have a pitcher so ninety ninety one that was an oddity. Now everybody does. Everybody does it. You're exactly right about that, Heath. And that's happened just over the last few years. Yeah. All right. Great conversation, Heath. We always enjoy our Mondays with you. Look forward to having you back on the Eagle Hour next week. Thank you, guys. Have a blessed week. He's hitting everybody, proprietor of Big Gold Nation. Kelly's been waiting for the next segment, and it begins in five minutes. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on Monday, Eagle Hour, live from the Southern Bancor Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, happy to have you along. Hey, it's only 25 days until hmm. the opening of baseball that's, that's season. Good. That's, that's better than saying it's 25 days to Christmas. We're happy. 
Yep. Oh, I, I kind of like Christmas, but I, I like yeah. opening day. Hey, we'll be out there at opening day, by the way, and tell you more as the uh, the Correct. season draws close. Appreciate you listening live uh, today to us. If you're catching this later on podcast, or if you want to uh, catch us on podcast, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or on demand at supertalk.fm. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street, home of the 895 lunch, place you can watch the AFC and NFC championships this coming weekend. 4th Street, our good friend Slade White and his crew over there. As always, they say Southern Miss to the top. All right, hot take, guys. Maybe not a hot take. Greatest uh, greatest weekend in NFL history just, just happened the last two days. Hard to argue. Hard to argue. Talking about the excitement of the games, I take it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, four games, upsets galore. Every single one of the games either came down to a last-second field goal or, as we saw last night, just – I don't even know what I watched last night. We'll get to that game in just a minute. I kind of talk about some of the others, but get to that game because we want to obviously talk about Kelly's Panthers, but – our Panthers, Bengals. Sorry, <laughs> Ke- sorry, Kelly. See, I couldn't even get it right. Anyway, um, you, you had a – Tom Brady no, bring it – uh, I guess the foul, you know, what he did in the Super Bowl, uh, he, he does against the Rams, and uh, they lose, and so the world's a better place because Brady's out of the playoffs today. But you look, I mean, there were there were upsets, down to the wire, offensive crazy, mm. as we saw last night. Kelly, let's start with the first game of the weekend. You called it. You called it the other day. Uh, the Bengals' Defense really won the game um, for them. And and as you said, Derrick Henry, 20 rushes, only 62 yards. Well, that's been the strength of the Bengal defense all year long is is the rush you know defense. But what, what stood out to me in that game, Luke, is to, uh, Joe Burrow got sacked nine times. Nine times. And the Titans turned it over three times. All right, the very first pass of the game that Tannehill threw was picked off, and the last pass of the game was picked off. The importance of turnovers and how they can impact your team. You would think that if you could do what Tennessee had done by sacking Burrow nine times that you would win the game. But those three right. turnovers were critical, and that was enough. Well, let me say one thing about Cincinnati. Great year, undoubtedly, and I know you're excited if I were a Bengal fan, this would concern me. The team is built around the quarterback. The quarterback's playing on a reconstructed D. You've got to protect him better than that. If he's, if he's taking eight and nine sacks a game, it's just a matter of time, Kelly, before he's injured. That's a fair point, Bob. But, but as Burrow said, too, he, he could have thrown the ball out of, ta- uh, out of bounds a couple times. But he said, you risk an interception. You know, if if the ball is tipped or, or thrown poorly, you risk an interception. And he said, I was not going to turn the ball over. He's, Burrow said, I think we have enough weapons to c- overcome a 12-yard loss, which, as it turns out, you know, they did. But the Bengal organization, this is the last thing I'll say about it because we got other games. The Bengal organization has been rightfully criticized for poor management over the years. This year, and I think this is a credit to Zach Taylor, the head coach, this year, everybody said to protect Joe Burrow, you should draft Panay Sewell, the great offensive tackle out of Oregon. You should take him with the fifth pick. Cincinnati said, no, we're going with Jamar Chase. All he did, rookie of the year, pro bowler, has, has, done, every, has done things that no rookie receiver has ever done in the league. Right. So give Cincinnati credit you know, for that and the fact that, uh, that they, they picked Burrow 
number one yeah, a right. couple years Get ago. some offensive linemen in the offseason. That's all I'm saying. And if they don't win the AFC Championship, right. that's the only thing they're lacking. Uh, now, Luke, I know all the other games are great, and we want to get to that, but nothing could beat Saturday night. Snow coming down, the frozen tundra, Lambeau Field, and just a magnificent football game. What what always struck out to me was at kickoff, they said the coldest game that Jimmy Garoppolo had ever played in right. was 33 degrees. <laughs> right. And it was 11 on the frozen tundra, and it felt like zero. Right. He had a terrible game. And and I, I think it was early on. Um, didn't didn't Aikman and Buck call that game? Is that is that who called that one? Yeah, it does because yeah. Rinaldi and, and Aaron Andrews are on the sideline. Yeah, so I think I think Troy Aikman actually said in uh, in pregame that this was the the first game Kyle Shanahan felt like he had the edge in special teams, and special teams won the games for the 49ers. No question, it was such an electric game and and so exciting. And uh, I tell you what, guys, I've been saying it since it started: the dangerous team is the San Francisco 49 And I do not want, and I don't think the Bengals, I, I honestly don't think the Bengals will beat Kansas City. I, you know, just based on experience. It could happen. Look, the Bengals may be, on, may be a team of destiny, but if it's another Cincinnati-San Francisco Super Bowl, it, you, it? it does because the Bengals have been to only two Super Bowls, and both times it was San right. Francisco, and both times San Francisco won. Right. All right, what about Sunday, Luke? Well, Sunday at halftime, you're like, look at the Rams. What is Tom Brady? This dude is old. He's 44 and he needs to retire. And then the goat just <laughs> brought him back in the second half. And, and it was what we said though. I mean, in the first half, Aaron Donald and the front line of the Rams dominated Brady. I mean, yeah, just tough. just going after him. And, and then Brady did his thing. Um, and then how about Kelly at the end? Stafford hooks up with, uh, with, with Cup. Hits them over the top, hits that mighty Buccaneers defense over the top for that bomb and sets up uh, Gay for the, the, the game-winning field goal. It, it just no lead is safe with 20 seconds. <laughs> 20 no, seconds left not. on the clock. 13, as we'll speak of in just clearly a minute. Not. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. But I will say this. Hats off to uh, Nunez Rochez. For Tampa. Played he, well. He did. Our Southern Miss guy played really, and really don't well. don't you feel pretty good for Matthew Stafford? Yes. Yes. He's a very likable guy and has been mired on a crappy team with the Detroit Lions for all those years. And he's a quality quarterback. Yeah, and, and maybe he's going to get his shot. They just and we, The 49ers seem to have their number, though, boy. Yeah. We should mention also Cam Akers from Clinton, Mississippi, right? starting running back for the Rams. He didn't have the great of a game, but he's the feature back, and so pretty cool for a, a Mississippi kid you know, to be the starting running back for a team that's going to play in the NFC um, championship. All right, um, and then last night, I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm saying this guy. I mean, th- this, if not the greatest game in NFL history, it's got to be in the top three, definitely a lock for the top five. 25 points scored in the it's last hard, minute and 54 hard seconds. To believe it. So, Luke, you play college football at a high level. I, I just want to ask you, I'm not a coach. Kelly and I were talking about this in my office. How in the world – when you've just won the game, basically, and there are 13 seconds left, how in the world do you allow the Kansas City receivers to leave the line of scrimmage untouched, give the fastest player in the league a wide-open middle field to catch the football, and one of the best tight ends in the league, he, he runs 20 yards up the field and you can't even see a, a cornerback near him. How do you play that soft and blow that kind of lead? Well, Well, before that, we should just simply say Josh Allen on both of those touchdowns in the last two minutes made 
unbelievable plays. The dude, right. the dude was selling out, getting first downs with his with his with his feet. I mean, the uh, the touchdown and then the two point conversion they threw were phenomenal. The Bills made the mistake by kicking the ball yeah. into the end zone. That's where they messed up. They should have squibbed, squibbed it. And, I mean, I get the fact that Hill's back there. But if you squib it, allows your team to get down the field and you'll kill off, you know, four or five, maybe six seconds. And the joke was I was texting a buddy and he said, watch Mahomes tie this. And I was like, dude, there's 13 seconds. What are you talking about? But what they did was the Bills, put they brought four. If they would have brought three and just spied somebody on Kelsey – then they would have taken away um, what led to the field goal. I mean, the, the Chiefs were going to try like a 60-yarder with Butker anyway, but that was the, they made two mistakes. They should have squibbed it, and they should have I mean, I even brought only like two guys um, because Mahomes running it, if you, if you even if there's no pressure, you can force time off the clock with good coverage. They didn't do either one. And they had the number one ranked defense in the league. And Kansas City had no timeouts, so if he no. ran it, if uh, and if, then when they got to overtime, it was like mush ball. All yeah. right, uh oh, Luke, he said overtime. <laughs> yeah, and everybody else. Don't, don't they need to change that look? Is it how unfair was it? Buffalo didn't get the football. I was for I was for Buffalo, and Buffalo is one of those teams that I'm. I just I'm for. I just really like the Bills. I can identify with them a lot. But let me say this: if it would have been the other way around, Buffalo would have won the toss, and Mahomes and the Chiefs wouldn't have got a chance. I would still say they have to do something about that. Regular season, cool man, tie, lose it, fine. But when you got guys, that's their entire season. They've added an extra regular season game for both teams to not have the opportunity in some way. To both get a chance, a crack at scoring in overtime, NFL's got to do something to change that. I like I, I, I like the college rule, you know, going to the NFL. Except maybe instead of starting from the twenty-five, I think that they do in college. Yeah, start at the forty. Man, when they went this year in college, the sudden death—you run one play for a two-point conversion. It was like a penalty shootout in soccer. That was awesome. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you imply that in the NFL, but, man, you, you played a game like that, you've got to give the other team I agree. And bring the kickoff back in the NFL. Move the daggum ball back where it used to be where you because you've taken away one of the most exciting plays in the league. It's also where people get injured the most. Well, That's I why know, they did but it. you sound like Roger Goodell. No, and the overtime, real quick, yeah. the overtime was approved by the Players' Union. Yeah. So Great weekend. I don't see how this weekend is going to possibly match it. Great weekend for track and field at Southern Miss, too. We'll talk about that next. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment today brought to you by D-Bat and D-1 Training. Kelly, you said it's high school baseball, first day of practice? First day. The MHSAA teams begin practice today. Good luck to all the area high school baseball teams. They're going to get started right about the same time the Eagles do, but uh, NCAA rules are different. So there you go. I mean, uh, with with high school baseball starting today, everything's going to follow quick. D-Bat, D-1 have everything you need for the players in your family. And as always, uh, you can – and just so much to do there. The pro shop and then uh, the batting cages, softball, baseball. You can uh, get them adjusted to fastballs, off speed, high count, low count, middle of the the plate. 
It's all there at DBAT and D1 Training in Hattiesburg. Luke, Bob, and Kelly from the Southern Bancorp Studios in Laurel. And Hattiesburg women's basketball falls over the weekend to Middle Tennessee by a score of 81-71. to Lady Eagles uh, were playing really good and then got outscored in the fourth quarter, 28-13, as we mentioned last week. Coach Joy Lee McNellis unavailable um, under the weather uh, for this uh, past weekend. But uh, Deja Allman and Dominique Davis both led the Lady Eagles with 16 points each. Lady Eagles on the year fall to 11 and 6, 3 and 3 in Conference USA. They're still only a, a game back. Um, UTEP and UAB both in, in front of them. Lady Eagles this coming Thursday will travel to Denton, Texas to take on North Texas as the men host North Texas at home, 7 p.m. This Saturday, track and field was uh, up in the Music City at the Vanderbilt Invitational. And guys, we were talking about this off air a little earlier. How about Fred Mudani, the shot putt thrower for the Golden Eagles, sets a new school record. He threw the shot putt, finished second overall in, in the meet, 59 feet, eight and a half inches. The college shot put, according to the uh, research department at the Eagle Hour, Weighs sixteen pounds. Sixteen pounds. So that's that's what a bowling ball weighs. Yes, a standard bowling ball. Sixteen pounds. So so imagine, and of course the shot put is much smaller, but still throwing something that weighs sixteen pounds, nearly sixty feet. That's amazing. Pretty pretty awesome. Corvell Todd won the high jump. This is always what uh, impresses Bob. Seven feet one inch. Unbelievable. Corville Todd. Think about that. Unbelievable. So good stuff uh, for the men. On the on the women's side, uh, Carlin Beal finished fifth in the 5,000 meters. And up next for the track and field, they will head to the Birmingham Crossplex for a Jaguar Invitational hoping, uh, hosted by South Alabama on February the 6th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Coach Stewart was saying about the only two places they're going this entire year is either to Birmingham or... Or or to Nashville. South Alabama is never a good place. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't even say that that word. Of course, the big vote coming up this week in the Sun Belt uh, Conference directors, That's athletic right. directors That's are going right. to meet tomorrow and supposedly vote on uh, what to do about any potential teams wanting to come in early. So we are all over that story, and we'll bring it to you, Luke. You're talking about Corvell Todd and the high jump, and and with all due respect, buddy, you you're probably not going to remember this. I don't know, Bob. If you remember who the first high jumper was to go over over the, the bar head first, I mean back first, as opposed to roll over on their mm-hmm. belly. You don't remember that? No. Dick Fosbury. Back in, I, I think it was the early, they called it the Fosbury flop. How the hell would I know that? And it, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> he's saying that you were alive. Bob, you're a sports guy. Like, you know? he's saying that. Yeah, the Fosbury, yeah, when people used to high jump, they would dive over it like a, like you were diving into a swimming pool. That's how you do it, right? When you're high. When I started, that's yeah. how it was, yeah. and I think I think my highest was about two and a half feet. I think I, I think <laughs> yeah. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. But now they go over back first. You know, they've completely changed the technique. So you learned today about the Fosbury flop. Here, it's on the unbelievable. Eagle it's just unbelievable to think that people can so do that. If we have a remote this year at uh, D1 training, I'll tear my other hamstring by trying to do a high jump. We <laughs> yeah, that's that what you up. need to do. Uh, remotes, we will be at Ramey Motors in Purvis uh, this Friday on the 18th. We will be uh, at the Pete for opening day, and uh, we'll be joining Melissa Socher and, and that group that uh, is raising money for uh, Coach Palmer. Going to be giving that, uh, announcing the total 
of that money before opening uh, opening game. Uh, and how how many days now, Luke? How many days till baseball? Twenty. Five. 25 the days. The little paper chain getting shorter and shorter. Yeah, 25 days. Hey, congratulations to the Hattiesburg native Davis Riley, PGA Touring Pro this year for the first year. Won some money again this past weekend on the PGA Tour. Close to $400,000 so far. No kidding. Well, you know, he's my new best friend. I'm sure he is. Yeah, I'm sure he is. <laughs> he doesn't even realize That's a it, pretty but... good payday, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, for guys first year out there on the tour playing some of the I – think, I think on – Thursday, he was paired with John Rahm, who's the world's number one player right, out of Spain. Right. So that just getting to play with John Rahm would be something. But uh, no, I'd rather have make the four hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> and I really wouldn't care if I played with you if I was <laughs> yeah. making if I was making four hundred thousand. Well, but with the new Biden tax plan, that would leave you with what twenty eight dollars and twenty eight seventy five. I figured it out before when you told me exactly what uh, what he was getting. <laughs> Yeah, good luck, but good for Davis. All we right. wish him the best of luck. Jack Nuggins is going to be on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. The Spoon, the great Clarence Weatherspoon, will be on the show Wednesday. We're going to line up some other good guests for you, too. We appreciate you listening every day. I want to thank Southern Bank Corps Studios for giving us the studios to broadcast in. Until next time, Southern Miss. To the to top. The top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the Slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Talk Mississippi Media Production.